Let me out of here, darling, please. Let me out of here, partner! Is this just fantasy? Come on! Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. I want to assemble a task force of the most dangerous people on the planet. They're bad guys. Worst of the worst. Too late. Open the gate! My time is Was this a uh, cheerleading trials? Hi, boys. Goodbye, everybody. Deadshot. Guy shoots people. He's a crocodile. And he eats people. Burns people. You're possessed by a witch. And she's just crazy. What was that? I should kill everyone and escape? Sorry. The voices. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not what they really said. We're going to read a Suicide Squad, a movie from the 1930s about a publicity-seeking fireman. <laughs> and by the way, this this thing that Andrew is saying exists. So, welcome everyone to Wage of Cinema, where we are going to review Suicide Squad by Norman Foster. Yay! The number I'm one... Andrew. I'm Jack. I'm guest star Matt. Yes. Once again, we have... Uh, the... I want your name on the show from now on to be guest star Matt. Every time we talk to you, we're going to be like, what do you think, Matt? And it's like, no. What do you think, guest star Matt? And we could have, like, a theme song from, like, the... Guest star Matt. No. Guest star Matt. Uh, he's I was... a guest star, and he's Matt. I was thinking, hey, now, you're a guest star. Get your show on. Get paid. <laughs> not, hey, now. <laughs> no, that's but... not bad. You got, you... Call Weird Al. Tell him to get right on it. I'm sure well, he would come up with something. I mean, uh, but anyway, we're not here to talk about the 1935 Suicide Squad, which you can get now in Alpha Video, apparently. I, I think it's public domain. Finally. But, uh, no, we're here to talk about, uh, what is it, the wa- new Warner Brothers uh, movie. Yeah, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Uh, from good old uh, friends at DC who have no controversy ever around them. Never. <laughs> not a shred. All right, uh, so. So, initial thoughts? I think it was good. Yeah. It was not all bad. I thought it was a perfectly adequate film. It like got the like the middle line between horrible and wonderful. It was perfectly <laughs> fine. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was fine, guest star Matt. Yes. Was, you know, I, yeah. What I would I, say, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I think I had much higher hopes for it. Oh, okay. But you know that's that's not fair to it. It did a really good job with its advertising, I think. Fantastic um, advertising. Well, yes. Much lots of personality. The the, yeah. the, the the whoever made I think these were probably some of the better trailers in a long time. Like whoever was behind the marketing of the movie was really creative. Uh, creative. One issue with the movie right up front is that, and this is true because I I just read it uh, yesterday in the Hollywood Reporter, the the, the studio actually reached out to uh, the trailer company to do a cut of the movie. Really? Yeah, like when they, they were not like completely happy with the director's original vision, so they, like, you know, the, the version you're seeing now, you know, like how it has all of those, uh, you know, rock songs and the soundtrack and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, that's kind of comes from... People who work on trailers and things. That's interesting, because for a while I thought this was basically just going to be Suicide Squad's greatest hits. <laughs> it's like someone took the Suicide Squad's mixtape and yeah. made it the soundtrack of the film. 
Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Syndrome. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, well, that's the thing to say up front. To me, this is, oddly enough, it's trying to be a harder-edged Guardians of the Galaxy, but it ends up being kind of Guardians of the Galaxy light. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think you're on to something with it being a harder-edged Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's do a quick synopsis here. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to give away too much. Yeah, but not front. right, right. Well, what we have uh, here is Suicide Squad. Uh, a character named Amanda Waller, who's someone really well established in the DC universe. She's trying to put together a team of misfits and villains to be the next like deterrent for the next big metahuman superhero. Yeah. And she gets all these people who are in prison. Deadshot, played by Will Smith. Uh, Harley Quinn, played by uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Killer Croc, uh, a bunch of other people. Yeah, you have also... We, um, we also have... Uh, El Diablo, Captain Boomerang, Slipknot, uh, wait. Rick Flag. Who, who is Slipknot? We'll get to that later. <laughs> Uh, Katana's oh, in it. Um, right, and, that, and basically uh, a list of people you probably haven't heard of from the DC Universe. But unless today, if you are a fan like our guest Armad is. Yeah. <laughs> you just and it's you. basically the superhero movie version of The Dirty Dozen. Well, the Dirty Dozen with a little touch of, uh, well, not a little touch, a huge dose of Escape from New York. Hmm. Um, you know, you, you have that element of... Uh, we have this major crisis in this city. The only person that we can get to stop it is this real hard-edged badass. But we're not going to let him out because, uh, you know, they could, like, run wreak havoc. So we're going to take this little, like, detonation device and implant it in all their necks. And if you do anything, to, uh, do anything funny, boom, you're dead. If Amanda Waller had said... Said we're gonna put chips in their in their necks to make to explode, make them do with what we want. We've been like, how did you come up with that? Oh, uh, Escape from New York. Obviously. See, that would have <laughs> that I would have liked the movie more if they had done that. Like if they had. It's maybe a bit out of character, it. but still, I think we would it would have been worth it. It's better than Lockout, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> well, it, I was gonna say. I mean, I don't know if John Carpenter. Wait, is will... that the uh, is that the uh, Prison Escape movie that takes place in space? Yes. And not only uh, that, that's the Prison Escape movie, which I, I don't know if you knew this, Andrew, but recently John Carpenter sued Luke Besson and won wow. in, in French court because, like, it was basically like they they ruled that he just ripped off. Uh, John Carpenter's script. Wow, they must have a really low bar for <laughs> in France. Uh, yeah. That would never fly in America. Yeah, well, I mean, he won, like, not a lot. Like, he won, like, maybe, like, 500,000 uh, Yeah, it was probably more, more of a moral victory, but, but still. But the point is, basically, yeah, you get here a touch of Dirty Dozen, a touch of Escape from New York. Touch the generous helping of Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, uh, and, yeah, and also a lot of other superhero cliches. Yeah. Uh, so I think now, but it still was a very entertaining film it, for me. I will say this: uh, when I was uh, when you guys left the theater right uh, right before I did, like I was getting a refill on my drink and popcorn, and I ran into uh, an old friend of mine. He actually has a podcast too. Uh, giving a shout out, Jose. Uh, it's called Fanboys on Podcast. I think I, I probably messed up the name of it. Sorry. Um, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, but Thanks, the point Jose. is, but the point is. He asked me like how the movie was, and I, you know, don't spoil it. And I said, "Well, it's better than Batman v Superman." Mm. Now I'm not going to say if it's good, but it's better than Batman v Superman. I'll agree with you on that. It's better than Batman versus Superman. It's not. 
it's not dumb the way that Batman v Superman was. Oh, at least all the way through. There are certainly touches, and I'll get to that later. The plot is much more... It's streamlined, you could say. The plot is just much more adequate than Batman vs. Superman yeah, was. Th- that, that would, I think Matt probably had the best word on that, the adequate. It's, it's fine. I know it doesn't have that much I passion would, I would to be it. a little more generous than that. Here, here's the thing. There are elements of this movie that I would say are more than fine. The two best things about this movie, uh, just to get right out of the way, are Will Smith and Margot Robbie. They're pretty good. I think that they were... This is the first time, in a, and I don't remember when, where I've seen Will Smith, and I've had a really good time watching him. Now, that might be because the last time I saw him in the movie was After Earth, where I did not have a good time watching him, and he did not look like he was having a good time. Here, he seemed like he was back in movie star Will Smith mode. That, and, the Independence Day Will Smith. Or, and well, but with, Smith. A little, but with the, the edge that is necessary for this. Now, now, is it the most accurate adaptation of Deadshot? I don't know. But I enjoyed it as a Will Smith <laughs> so performance. So why not turn it over to guest star Matt? Yes, who can tell us a little bit more about them? Um. Well, maybe I don't know. Do we want to go into spoiler territory now? No. Well, well, no. No. Okay. No. Well, okay. That would get into spoilers. We'll, we'll save that for later. Okay. Though. But but, uh, but also, and Margot Robbie, I, she just has like full on natural screen presence. Like mm-hmm. she just kind of lights up the screen whenever she's doing stuff. Uh. Well, most of the time, maybe sometimes when she's just kind of standing around, like she. Um, I, I, I almost, I just wish, I almost wish the plot was better for the sake of her. Like, I would, like, she made me want to see, like, a Harley Quinn story that was a little bit more centered on her, possibly. Well, supposedly they are making a Harley Quinn solo movie with her. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, there are, I'm not there sure are how certain, you could sustain that. Well, there are certain aspects I, about that that, I, I say that now, and then immediately a part of my brain goes, No! For one reason, and I'll get to that in a yes, moment. That reason. Because one of the things that I gotta say, I wasn't a fan of the movie. Should I? This isn't a spoiler. No, no, it's no, 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 no okay. it's not. Okay. Because the, the, every single trailer shows this, so it's not a spoiler. The Joker's in the movie, right? Because when you have Harley Quinn, as we know from the Batman animated series, on, uh, you know, the Joker is there because they're basically the. Uh, uh, you know, it, she doesn't really exist without the Joker. Well, yeah, no, she she was kind of created to, as uh, she's his sidekick, his yeah. villainous sidekick, villainous sidekick, stroke, sometimes romantic. Uh, don't say stroke. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll get the strokes out of this review. Um, well, I would, but but Jared Leto plays the Joker here, and I thought he was terrible. Like I, I just cringed watching him in this movie. He just was. Trying too hard to be like, and to, and also like the the specter of Heath Ledger is still there. The thing about his performance that I would put my finger on is that it's that's kind of inconsistent. I there okay. yeah. early on in the film it seems like he's channeling Christopher Lloyd, uh, <laughs> and then what? Yeah, I want to see that movie in that scene in the club. Well, that's like a flashback. But like, which Chris? You mean like Back to the Future, Christopher Lloyd? Just Christopher Lloyd. What difference does it make? <laughs> huh, yeah. Is Christopher Lloyd known for his range? No, I don't <laughs> think so. 
But then he kind of, uh, this Joker is a lot slimier than we've ever seen him. He's a little more sexually Sexually charged. Like, there was one scene where I kind of feel like when the scene cut, he was about to rape somebody. Uh, he is an alleged rapist, allegedly. <laughs> oh, so, is he? Allegedly, that's what people tell me. <laughs> well, I mean, when you are, you know, an agent of chaos, you must also be an agent of rape. Uh, so, yeah. we're, uh... <laughs> uh, all right, anyhow, that, so, they all can't be winners, no. folks. I tried. Um, yeah, I think the problem with the Joker is twofold. First of all, they don't really write him anything that's really novel. He seems to be just like a typical like gangster criminal person. There's no over-the-top, like, madness kind of villainy. He just seems sort of small. And, like, you know how, you, for the Joker, you need yeah. to have, like, an an overarching villain that has, like, m- less mundane things to worry about, who's, like, sort of... not. You can't really think of him, like, as a regular crook kind of thing, but this is... No, he's not the kind of crook who's extorting money or threatening... Yeah. Uh, or threatening and, you to do yeah, something. Yeah. His his reasons for doing things are insufferable. Yeah, and the second problem with that is that Leto, uh, when I was watching him, I didn't see the Christopher Lord, I saw him just sort of, like, snarl menacingly, yeah. and the problem with that is that we already have Killer Croc doing that, and I want to see a <laughs> Killer Croc movie more than I want to see a Joker movie. Yeah, well, he... I almost felt like he was kind of left to his own devices. Like I know, I've heard, I've read that he Jared Leto went really quote method, which is what he does with a lot of these movies. Like mm. he sent the cast like dead pigs, dead pigs, and like copies of Playboy magazine. Which that's the weird part. Playboy's he not even off Will Smith's pinky. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, like watching him here, he. Again, he, oddly enough, doesn't really get that much to do except, yeah, as you said, snarl and try to act menacing. And ultimately, what's the weird? it's a weird contradiction because on paper, there's, I think, an interesting aspect to how the Joker functions in this movie. Because really, Harley Quinn is more the main character and Joker is, like, her romantic interest. Yeah, in this movie, say. she is more important than But that, that's interesting on paper. In execution, it doesn't quite work. Because often, you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but when you have the Joker, you gotta have Batman. And Batman's, like, here for maybe, like, 30 seconds. Uh, To go back to Margot Robbie, though, there was one thing that I found fault with her performance. Okay. Which was that her... Too, like, quirky? No, no. It's that she doesn't always do the voice the same way. Harley Quinn has a very Mm. distinct voice. It, if you've seen her on the animated series, she has this, uh, this kind hey, of. Hey, Mister J. Yeah, thank like you. That. So I didn't have to do it. Uh, <laughs> that's that's her voice, and she does that through a lot of it. But there are times when she doesn't do it. Yeah, but well, I, there are times where like, she doesn't like have to get pe- that. It's crazy. like when people are trying, when actors are trying to do an English accent, and they can't always do it. They slip into something else. It feels mm. like that voice was an accent for her that she couldn't always pull off. Oh, she's a better Harley Quinn than uh, Mia Sarah, that's for sure. Who's Mia Sarah? She was Harley Quinn in the short-lived, terrible Birds of Prey TV show. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, I'll well, take your word for it, because I didn't watch she it. She didn't even do the um, squeaky uh, Brooklyn girl accent. Yeah. yeah. Now, I should mention that uh, Margot Robbie is an Australian accent. Is Throwback America. So, what? She's from Throwback America, just like Jai Courtney. <laughs> oh, Jai Courtney. <laughs> A.K.A. Uh, in CinemaSin voice, uh, Discount Tom Hardy. Nice. And it, 
it he really it was a little distracting to see him th- in the throughout the movie just because maybe if it, if I hadn't had the knowledge of it it wouldn't have bothered me so much but Tom Hardy was originally cast as Captain Boomerang hmm. and he was really set to play it he even said to the press like this script is so amazing I love it and then the Revenant went into over overruns and oh, had to, and he had to go bad. with that so instead the cat the director gets like Jai Courtney to look exactly like Tom Hardy would. And I will say that Jake Courtney was probably better than I expected, because I haven't seen him in a lot of movies, but often I, I've just heard his reputation as being really terrible and stiff. Here he tries to be animated, but it's kind of one note. Captain I Boomerang like had a personality. No, he did. It's just that like it never... Again, maybe I'm, I'm not, I should expect more than that. It never really changes much. I think Captain Boomerang actually had one of the better personalities in this film. He was like he was mo- fun. He was fun. The and character was, was fun. Nah. Oh, I, I will give him a pass. I, this is like the only time I've seen Jai Courtney with any charisma. So I'm just gonna say like, okay, you did good for once. We'll take it. You no, get your cookie. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, for what it's worth, he did fine. I just it, it just distracted me how we could have had Tom Hardy and we didn't. Well, I mean, like, I you mean, can't hold that again. would Tom no, Hardy really have done any better yeah. with the role as now, it was? You know who grew, yeah, now, who grew, point. the guy who grew on me kind of as the movie went on, uh, at first I thought, uh, there's not much here, but uh, Jay Hernandez is Diablo. Uh, sorry, that was a box. Don't worry about it. Um, I, um, you know, maybe it was a little contrived in certain ways, but I, I kind of felt started to feel a little bit for that. Like that was one of the things that, as the movie went on, and he told his story in uh, in one point, I won't say it when, but uh, he his backstory and his character, like that, kind of interested me. Like yeah. that actually involved me a little bit, even though on the surface he just looks like a typical. Uh, the nickname we have is uh, Cholo. Like even Jared Leo is supposed to be kind of like the Cholo Joker. Oh, he's the Juggalo Joker. Oh, Juggalo Joker. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You uh, like the but, insane yeah, he's, yeah, he's covered oh, in he's his face is covered in tattoos that make him look like a skull. Yeah, so you know, he you're has not, a great you're not look. getting a you're not getting any other job yeah. with ta- <laughs> That's tattoos true. like That's that. True. Uh, I think it's good to point the thing you have to point out with him though is his his character arc is basically the Hulk from the Avengers, someone mm. who doesn't want to fight because he's too powerful and. And all the guys say, we just have to unleash you, and we'll be fine. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, and as far as that goes, I, I kind of enjoyed it, though. It gave me a little something to, to grab onto. Mm. Um, I, you know what felt a little bit wasted for me? Just a little bit? Viola Davis. I, I know you guys maybe don't have... To me, like she's such a great actress, and here she's just basically spending most of the movie barking orders and looking very stern. It's kind of like what Amanda Waller does. Like, yeah, but then I, I, well, I, should, I don't know if I should then Chris. It's not really Chris and da- of then Viola Davis so much as then like I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I find her. I find her character interesting. Mm. Uh, I don't think in in, super, in superhero films we've had she's kind of like the female Nick Fury except nowhere near as good. <laughs> good Actually, good that... as in moral, not oh. as in quality. Mm. You know, it's she's doing sh- like Nick Fury is being shady, 
hopefully for good things, while Amanda Waller is just being shady in ways that you don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. She she was uh, she wasn't bad. Like I, I, and I think the character she definitely serves that purpose, and she's just like. You know, I'm sending you out here. I know you're all absolutely terrible people. If you do one thing, click, you're dead. Yeah. Um, you know, there's one interesting little moment. Uh, I don't know if this... That's nah, getting into spoilers. Damn Spoiler! It. Damn it. I'll, I'll say it in a little bit. But there's one moment with her where she does something involving one of the characters, and she has this look like, damn it! And I found that kind of interesting, the fact that even though she was, she did the one thing that she was threatening to do, and then it like she suddenly shows a betrayal of her character for a moment. Hmm. Like she's like, you know, she you would think that she would show no emotion about it, but she does. Right. If that makes without make without saying too much about it. Um, yeah, we'll have to wait till spoilers to really talk about. What about it. all right, the villain? Are you? Found, I'm sorry. Um. Oh, can we talk? Who the say who the villain is yet, or is that considered a spoiler? Um, let's, well, we could say who the actress is, maybe? Cara de... What the hell's her name? Cara Delevingne. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Are you just making that up to try to... to call her by your character name, one of the... Yeah, Cara Delevingne. Yeah, actually, you're right. Okay. Uh, Enchantress? Yeah. June Moon. Oh, yeah. June Moon. Um... Yeah, I... Someone really uh, phoned it in at the comic book uh, <laughs> writer's department when they came up with that name. Uh, <laughs> Enchantress? June well, actually, oh, June well, Moon. Well, we can talk a little bit more about Enchantress when we get oh, to spoilers. Okay. Yeah, but... the name June Moon is kind of... That That almost sounds like a joke name. All right. Uh, we'll call her uh, Dune Spoon. Uh, <laughs> let's call her, uh, like, Loon Groon? Rob no. Cobb? No. <laughs> Uh, I kind of like Cara Delevingne. Um, I was not. Yeah. I did not like. I haven't really seen her acting a lot, but she did more than I thought she would. She actually did have some presence. The character herself is not really well written, but she does do both a very spooky and commanding vibe to her. So I, I was pleased with uh, that. No, she. You know, I, I saw her before in this movie last year, uh, Paper Towns. Uh, she was kind of the uh, love interest in that, uh, right. and yeah, it's, I think the eyebrows do a lot of work. Unbeatable eyebrows. Yeah, <laughs> she has like those kind of eyebrows. It's like, wow, you you look different. And no, she brought an intensity to it, but I feel like the writing let her down. She's basically Zool. Oh man, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> that we talk about spoilers. Oh my god. All right. Um, it's just. Without saying too much, I just felt like the threat in this movie was... Uh, don't worry, it's still recording. Um, I just want to see how long we've been recording. Okay. Um, well, the thing is, we... It's a generic threat plot to me. It's yeah, not very strong. The ultimate threat to the city, you know, it was kept well under wraps during the advertisements. You know, we only had, you know, the big... In the trailers, they, they rarely talked about, you know, who was supposed to be the main villain. The Joker was in there, but we, we didn't know what he was up to or what was going on. So that was kind of kept in the dark. And as we see the movie now, probably for good reason. Well, yeah, it's another <laughs> one of these things where it's, well, it starts as a threat, as a, as a major threat to a city. And then, of course, it's going to be, we're going to do threat to the world. And 
how many, I again, I know it's a comic book movie. I have to cut it some slack, but it. it you it, don't have to cut anything. Slack, I will say, here, just, just eviscerate it. Here's Come the on. here's the weird thing. I will say her person, like the the actress, did have she brought a little bit more personality than something like comparing it to Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought Lee Pace. He was a little bit more too. He was a little too constrained as the Lee villain. Pace is definitely more point. generic in Guardians of the Galaxy than than June Moon is in this film. Um, I don't know. It still felt generic to me. I mean, Lee Pace at least had like a backstory the... that is sort of you can latch on to. And anyhow, go on. There's something else I want to talk about. Yeah, please. Which is this film seems to need to remind us of a lot of stuff we already know. In uh, the plot. In... Let oh, it, yeah, yeah. Oh, a, lot, a lot of telling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But not just... It's not just the show don't tell thing. It's the... The flashbacks. Here's here's this person's backstory. Yeah. And now we're going to reiterate part of their backstory. This is not a spoiler. We hear that Deadshot is a deadly assassin who never misses. And we see his backstory. And we see perfectly well that he's a skilled assassin. And that he can kill someone by bouncing a bullet off of a metal plate that he put there like... Five hours ago. Yeah. And then we have the need to show him shooting guns in a firing range in the prison just to reiterate the fact that he can shoot things well. Well this movie <laughs> has a well this movie has a lot of shots showing like guns going off and like bullets falling from the guns. But I'm not even talking about shots, I'm talking about plot points that they just hammer in a second time as if they oh, were yeah. thinking as if they were thinking, you know, we might as well do well, this again because it'll look cool, and also because we didn't go through the script a third time well, and get rid of the redundancy. Well, it's not just that, but also, don't forget, Andrew, he has a daughter. Oh, yeah, he and does. Ant-Man! Ant-Man! I just saw this last year in Ant-Man! That really distracted me. Again, I, I know not, it's not the movie's fault, but I'm I just not, kept watching it, and it's like, I've just seen this. Can't Only you do something one. different, movie? And when I saw an Ant-Man, I thought I'd seen this before. Well, see, Ant-Man is the Marvel character who has a daughter, and Deadshot is the DC <laughs> character who has a daughter. Also, Ant-Man what? gets smaller, and Deadshot shoots things. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Problem solved. I'm not too worried about that. I mean, you can take... I mean, how many times have we seen the dead parents? How many times have we seen... Uh, it just felt a little ham-fisted. A bit, yeah. Like, they, they certainly, uh, they certainly hammer into the ground. Whereas I felt like with uh, Diablo, even though, yeah, you could say that. All right, so he had a family and things happen with that. I think maybe part of it is because David Ayer, uh, he he's made a lot of movies set in that kind of world. Like he wrote Training Day, uh, he made End of Watch. He's written and directed a lot of movies that are set kind of in, like, that Los Angeles type of world. I felt like that... I felt kind of grounded in a little bit of that. All right. So, I don't know. That that almost... That's why that worked a little bit for me. I, don't yeah. know. Oh, you're, I was about to cut you off. No, I mean, actually, let's get down to something that's really dull and sticks out because of its dullness, and that's Rick Flagg, who is yeah. the least exciting character in the comics and continues to be the least exciting character in the movie. And there's kind of, like... Really not a lot that you could do to make him stand out from the cool supervillains that you want to watch, but at the same time, they still fumble. Yeah, and, and also... Well, Rick also, Flag. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Rick Flag. Rick Flag is the special forces soldier who is leading the Suicide Squad. He's like the captain of the mission, whatever. 
Now he doesn't have any superpowers. He's just really good at shooting things, but not as good as Deadshot. Deadshot. <laughs> he, he's he's just like a Navy SEAL or Delta Force guy. And, he's basically but, there to hold them in check. But I but the purpose he serves in the film, or or probably the purpose he's supposed to serve, is that he's kind of an audience surrogate. Well, he's not he's not a, he's not a villain. He's not a superpowered person. He's just this guy who is probably. The best guy that we have. He also serves... He's also supposed to be there also as a kind of a plot point as well. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. A and weak that, plot point. He's yeah. Captain Buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also the actor doesn't... You know, Joel Kinnaman is kind of just like a uh, a, a piece of, like, meat. But he doesn't... <laughs> Even though if he's supposed to be an audience surrogate, he's not a very good audience surrogate. No, because he's not. You know, he has to be relatable. We have to like him. We have to identify with him, and he, he's not. He's he's kind he's kind of dull. Yeah. He he's kind of shady as he's, well. He's a bit antagonistic, also to the characters who are more the main protagonists, like mouthing off to like Amanda Waller and Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Like he doesn't get along with anybody. He's really just got in the movie. a bad attitude, yeah. except. For one character, really. And, you know, it's the one. It's that kind of writerly thing where we need to give him one thing to care about. And, right. again, that's why I bring he has up to as have a plot some point. motivation. Something. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, he would be even less useful. Um, so. Uh, uh, but the, but the, but uh, mainly when, when the other characters are trying to get a laugh, it's by playing off of him. Yeah. I Mostly mean, Deadshot. <laughs> yeah, well. That's another thing I want to bring up. Whose movie was this? If we were to look at mm, one character who was supposed to be not necessarily the protagonist, but the person whose plot was most important to this film, who was it? I'd say it's a split between Deadshot and Harley Quinn. It's it's tough to it's a tough call because I would want to lean towards Deadshot, but then Harley Quinn. Almost feels like a co-protagonist at times. I would I would agree with that. It's a team movie, but those are are definitely supposed to be the two lead protagonists. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like when you watch Inglorious Bastards. I mean, whose story are you watching in that? Uh, the the woman. Ah, what's her name? Yeah, um, the, the one, Shoshana. The, yeah, Shoshana. Okay. Well, her. Dreyfus. Well, Shoshana her. Dreyfus. I remember it. Ha ha. There you go. <laughs> um. Well, her and. Brad Pitt could say. I don't know. Maybe not Brad Pitt so much. No, not so much. No. Um, but yeah, here, I feel, uh, I feel like it's Deadshot. It might be Deadshot and, yeah, Harley Quinn. Hans Landa? Well, I think <laughs> Is it's... he co-protagonist of Inglorious Bastards? Uh, we'll think about this later. Yeah, uh, but the point is, yeah, the thing is, they're the first two who are introduced in the movie. They are the characters who have the most personality they're the actors who have the most personality yeah deadshot is played by will smith that really cements his centrality in the film like and the thing i like too with will smith he made wisecrack so he had a little bit of a not quite running joke but he had a thing a couple times about phil jackson they brought that yeah that 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 went over like twice yeah and yet you know that have the wrong actor there and that would fall flat but will smith just somehow was able to find the humor in it, those Will Smith moments, while still making him a menacing character. I don't understand hand egg references. What? Hand egg. What's hand egg? The game with the Phil Jackson that they were referencing. Oh. oh. I, I didn't need I, to, I didn't need to know that. I still I got I I have a I, I barely I, know who Phil Jackson is. I understood it was supposed to be a joke, but it was like the the anti Captain America meme. 
Like, oh. I, I was instead that I don't get that reference. I don't understand that. Yes. Yeah. Actually, what does um, Castiel mean about that from Supernatural? Yeah. Oh, right. So before we go on the spoilers, uh, just general thoughts, final thoughts about... I don't know final thoughts about the movie, but like general thoughts about the movie. Our, our, our general non-spoilerific thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is just... This is an entertaining film. It feels familiar... But I think it's just fresh enough to really be satisfying. Mm. Uh, other than that, it's uh, it has a few problems. Yeah. It's uh, it's just kind of it's in the middle right there. It's better than yeah. Batman v Superman. Better than Man of Steel. Just about better than Man of Steel. It's better than both. That's what I'm saying. Well, I would uh, Matt. Do you want to say it before I do? Um, yes, yeah. guest. Uh, I would say Matt. that yeah, it's definitely like a decent movie, and I don't understand necessarily why it's getting such negative reviews. It's not the greatest film out there, and I did want a better movie, and I kind of had expectations that it would be more wild and out there, mm-hmm. but I did not feel like I was like ripped off or that it was a waste of my time. I yeah, enjoyed watching it. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that this is like a solid thing that hopefully DC and Warner Brothers can like keep building upon and make good, decent movies instead of horrible movies about DC comics from now on. Yeah. Um, what I would say it's is a, um, it's a step up. Yes. It, I, well, I would also add uh, just as a small thing, one of the things about Batman v Superman, visually, even though it's supposed to be visual, visionary, genius Zack Snyder, it was a very ugly-looking film. Uh, it was not. It was also at times very cluttered and incoherent. This, I, with a couple of exceptions, I knew what was going on. It had a pretty distinct look. I liked the cinematography, which sounds like an odd thing to say, but I kind of liked that. I, I could tell it was shot on film, which was kind of nice. Hmm. Um, that sounds like an odd thing to say, but I could almost feel that. Um, even little touches, like I like that they used actual prosthetics or makeup for Killer Croc. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how much of Killer Croc was prosthetic. No, I think that like, most of that yeah, it was. was. Prosthetic, yeah. Basically. Um, now, uh, I, I don't know, like, at, I would say, yeah, it, it's a... It's certainly a step up from Batman v Superman, but I think... And it was better than my expectations going in. I might have admittedly went in with low expectations because of the critical drubbing. That said, I still don't think it's quite up to the consistency that Marvel at its best has. Like, it it has certain... It has... The issues that it has really irked me, and especially when we take, get into spoilers, we can talk about the climax of the movie... Um, but, but now sitting here talking about it, I'm remembering more things that I liked about it and those things are sticking with me. So I would say maybe not a full price movie, but if you pay like, I don't know, if you pay like five, six bucks, uh, you won't feel too ripped off. And again, it might depend on the audience member as well. If you're, uh, um, if you go in really dead set, like I'm going to hate this, then you might hate it. If you open your mind a little... There are people who do that. Trust me. Oh, yeah, but it's like, if you want to hate this, you'll hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the people... Like, I'm sure that there that's are people like out saying, there who If you think this watch. movie is bad, it's bad. This is not a movie that's going to change your mind. Let me put it this way. It, 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 it's more cohesive than you would think, considering that they 
did a lot of reshoots and cobbled together certain things. Did and they really do reshoots? Because they kept denying that. I could. I felt like that there, there are some a few things. things that seem like reshoots, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. So me. yeah, it's. Um, again, it's not. I don't know if I liked it quite as much as my fellow co-host, but I do think that it is an admirable film in certain respects, and uh, and yeah, it's 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 decent. It's decent. All right. It, as as Morgan Freeman would say in Bonfire of the Vanities, be decent. Be decent. Nice. Nobody gets that reference. Okay. You're late. You all got the. This is Katana. She's got my back. She can cut all you in half with one sword stroke, just like mowing the lawn. I would advise not getting killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. Love your perfume. What is that? The scent of death? <laughs> Whoa, easy cowgirl. Ain't that kind of a mission. Have a seat. She seems nice. Okay, so it's decent, it's adequate, it's pretty good. Alright. Uh, so it's spoiler o'clock now? Oh yeah, yes. it's time for spoilers. Uh, welcome to the spoiler corner. This is where all the cool people hang out. You get to listen to the things that happen in the movie, if you've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, you're saving the money for a ticket. Yes. <laughs> spoiler corner. <laughs> Nobody leaves alive. The one thing I think is a reshoot are the things with Captain Amer- Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they had quite Captain the end credit scenes. Pink unicorn. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what part did that play in the plot? Nothing. It seems like just a few clips that they threw in there to add some humor, which they stole from Deadpool, probably. You know. Yeah. And... Well, you have to. Rem- well, the thing to remember about the reshoots, um, these happened. As a cor- it's a direct correlation with Batman v Superman, right? Because that came out, the, the, and the, the thing that the executives took away, they didn't take away anything about Jesse Eisenberg's performance, or they about didn't take storytelling away, and character, or anything about Martha. They took away um, things like that. They thought, well, people are saying it's not humorous enough. We need to add some levity. And what I would give the film credit for is that things with Will Smith. Like, the sort of cracks that he had, certain cracks that Harley Quinn had, they felt a little organic to the movie. Mm. They felt like they were part of the movie that felt like it was always there, if that makes sense. Like, that didn't feel like too much reshoots. Maybe, I'm sure that there are quips and stuff that were put in there. Um, Even that I didn't really feel like that had a massive tonal shift that, oh, let's put in extra jokes here. It feels like those were jokes that were already in the script at some point and that they went with. Because, like, you know, they had the the second trailer that was supposedly we shot the jokes. Like, you know, they can't... It didn't seem like they had enough time to, oh, let's totally, like, throw out what we had before and make it all funny, and it wasn't an, an all silly, ho-ho, funny movie. Yeah, so it, I doesn't it doesn't feel have like the, it doesn't jokes have, tacked on. It doesn't, yeah, have exactly. the, it doesn't have the Fantastic Four disaster feel, where a character has a wig uh, that wasn't there before. Um, now, I'm getting into spoilers, so basically what, what happens with this character Enchantress, she, her backstory... Correct me if I'm wrong, because this is where it gets a little... Not complicated, but let me try to see if I can remember correctly. So, this uh, June Moon? Yeah. Ju- Judy Bloom? Uh, she, Judy Bloom goes into a cave. Um, 
and, and then, and then this what archaeologists never do, which is grab things and break them. <laughs> yes, and, 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 and she then becomes possessed by an ancient spirit called the Enchantress. Yeah, and which she, and is again stolen from Marvel. And June Moon. Actually, there's two different enchantresses. There's a DC enchantress and there's a Marvel enchantress. Oh Christ! <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and Can she you... has apparently Nightcrawler's powers. <laughs> well, a little bit of Nightcrawler, and as Matt said, Zool, because she basically is this demonic force that, again, thousands of years old. She has basically god powers. Like that was something I was wondering too. Like, do you think that her powers were consistent through the movie? Well, I relatively. What did we see but... of her powers? She could teleport from place to place. She could. Um, Influence people's, like, mind. fantasies? Yeah, she had telepathy. Telepa- she, she had telepathy, so she could kind of read people's minds. And what well, not wanted. only read people's she minds, could... but also create fantasies for them about, like, what they... Because that's what, something that happens. She kind of shows the villains at one point, don't you want this to happen? And then you flash forward, Harley Quinn is married to a non-Joker Jared Leto, and uh, yeah. Deadshot yeah. kills Batman, right. and... Uh, and, yep. uh, Boomerang but, uh, doesn't have anything. But also, she, no she, she turns regular people into bubble-headed goons. <laughs> and uh, she into can minions. construct a doomsday device by waving her arms and gyrating her hips. Yeah. I almost feel like it's one of those things where... Not it's unlike like Apocalypse. A, not unlike what Apocalypse. Yeah, what does he do? Well, no, no. She's, her powers are a little clearer than Apocalypse. But at the same time, just like Apocalypse... What's keeping her from doing a lot more damage than she's doing? She just has this one place where she's conducting all this power. Yeah, that was the the one big thing at the end where she just kind of has a sword fight with various people. I said, why is she not just, like, obliterating them Can't with all the just, magic? Like, how about yeah. just explode their brains or something? But I mean, then she has that Jack. moment where she's Jack. like, join Jack. me. That's gross. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, it's not PG-13. But, um... Yeah. um but so also, this is the really weird thing: is that Enchantress or June Moon is in a relationship with Rick Flag, and Amanda Wallace makes them fall in love so that she can control Rick Flag through Enchantress. And she also has Enchantress's heart in a box, which you can kill her with. But now she's trying to put together a suicide a box-shaped squ- box. Yes, she's trying to put together a suicide squad where she puts people's bombs in people's necks. She doesn't put a bomb in June Moon's neck. Now also ah. there's. And June Moon sneaks, or Enchantress sneaks out and unleashes her brother god creature into some other guy in Midway City. And right. then Amanda Waller sends Rick Flag and Enchantress with a bomb there. And Rick Flag says, "Hey June, turn to Enchantress," and she immediately betrays them. So this is all basically sort of like a very Snake Eats tail kind of thing. Like you didn't like Suicide Squad was sort of set up to fail because of their own incompetence, basically in the management. Yeah. Again, again, when you get into the actual mechanics of the plot, there are stupid things about it. Well, not, Amanda not... Waller thought that she had uh, that she had any chance for it's in the palm of her hand because she had her heart, yeah. and you know she stabbed that heart the moment that she she turned on them. But it turns out that that wasn't enough to kill. Redundancies, people, do redundancies for your contingency plans when you're controlling. But it does bring up an interesting point. Amanda Waller says that she can make people do things against their interests, and she's trying to convince all these people before anything even happens. To, well, the military to, people. No, she's mean. trying to convince the supervillains to, oh, to join oh, right, this right, team. Right, right, yeah. And not everybody's in for it. <laughs> Barely But, but when in she for needs it. them, she just puts a bomb in their neck, and they'll do whatever she wants. Well, again, it's the Escape from she, New York thing. Why didn't she just do that from the beginning? 
That's a good question. You know what? You're bringing up I mean, an interesting point because I feel like what this, what like what happened with the what the writer was trying to do. I think David Ayer wrote the script too. I mean, I guess what he had to do was show her first approaching Deadshot and Harley Quinn and those people like come join this team, and they're like, no. Then you establish your big bad threat. Then it's like, okay, now you have to go. I mean, like I think she was, yeah, but but it feels go. like, but it, I... but it's kind of like a redundant. See in the story. I mean, I think she's always going to put bombs in their necks is to control uh, them as like a safety protocol. Like that was never not on the table. No, I don't. Well, you make a good point, but if you're just going to do it anyway, why even bother trying to convince them in the first place? Amanda Waller is not a person who takes people's feelings into consideration. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, she herself in this film shoots five people who are on her side. <laughs> At once, because they aren't high enough clearance to know what they know. <laughs> no oh, yeah. other reason than for secrecy, and possibly there's not enough room on the chopper. She's very shrewd most of the time, except when she's not. Yeah. But yes. Does that make sense? And when, the, when the plot doesn't need her to be. Um, yeah. It's like, she has so much power, too. It's like, I guess it's the idea she answers to no one, but... Yeah. Um, so also, I want to talk about um, how ridiculous it is that they don't even pretend that Slipknot isn't the first one to die. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious because, you know, they introduce every single, like, person in, like, a little vignette in the first half hour. And then when you see their PowerPoint presentation, there's an extra guy on the list. And you're like, I don't know who that guy is. And then it takes them all the way until they're gearing up to go to Midway City till they throw Slipknot into the mix. And like, Slipknot. Um, he's a guy that climbs up things well. And then he we punches really a him. woman in the face. Now, yeah. who's, who's the one with the sword again? Katana. katana. Okay, yeah, well, they also throw her in, too. She also, you could say, she has a katana. <sighs> Is that a big pun? It's, I'm a little tired, it, so... It's okay, Jack. <laughs> but no, yeah, the Slipknot thing, that almost seemed like... <laughs> if, if David Ayer was a little bit more clever, it would have been like the bit in Black Dynamite where you have, like, I'm going to see my daughter soon. No, I'm going to go home with my wife. Oh, it's going to be so great. Dead. Who saw that coming? I mean, where'd that come from? Yeah. but I, I, It was that! I, incarnate! I do love the fact that Captain Boomerang is the guy that puts him up to escaping. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, yeah. That, that, that was a nice little moment. That was actually the moment I was referring to earlier where, like, they, you know, he kills her, and then Amanda Wall goes, damn it! Yeah. Like, as if she suddenly has that moment where, even though she's been threatening, you know, if you if you st step out of line, you're dead, blah, blah, she doesn't really want to kill these people because she needs them. Yeah. She... So it's that kind of double-edged sword. Right. Uh, if, that, if that's the word to use. Um, can I just talk about how, like, lame the climax is? Okay. Because I think the climax is kind of lame to me. It, oh, it, that's it, why you want to talk about how lame the climax is? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that at one point, I well, it came especially near the end of it when they, not, I guess they do kind of defeat her, but it's right before, it's right after, around that point, and I lean over to Matt, and I some, it suddenly hits me, I'm watching the ending of Ghostbusters. I mean the ending of 1984 Ghostbusters, not not the new one. It ruined your childhood. Yeah, this one did. <laughs> Damn you, dear there. But it's again, it's the kind of thing where the 
yeah, the, the, the characters have to face off against this evil and it's an evil a, goddess. Yeah, an evil goddess and uh, the, the evil goddess has her evil brother and of course they have to face him first. They and... kill the evil brother god with just a large explosion. Yeah, kind of underwhelming. Yeah, kind of underwhelming. Um, And then the fight with her—that's where the movie felt like I felt like I should be giving a a crap, but I'm just—it's this is so boring. It's a sword fight with Nightcrawler. Yeah, which actually is something that we should be getting the X Men movies, and we're not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But and then like there's a little one. Then there's that little moment where. You know, you think Harley Quinn's about to turn, and then it's like, no! Like, oh, she really got her, because yeah. she was pretending to turn, and she wasn't. And in that moment, I was just like, okay. Yeah, okay. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, and that, 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 that's, that's why I said that it took me until now to think about the things I liked about the movie. Because when I was like, when the movie ended, I was just like, oh, good, it's over. You but, know another thing about this film? What? Big thing? Uh, negative or positive? Negative. Okay. The Joker did not need to be in this. Yeah. Well, he he does not affect the plot in no. any meaningful way. No. He he makes Indiana time, Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark look like really essential. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> the the only th- part where the Joker actually intersects the plot of the Suicide Squad and their mission. Is where he he goes on the roof. To, is where he saves Harley Quinn when he hijacks that chopper. But even that doesn't do that much. No, it the, the only little thing that does is that when Amanda Waller leaves too. That's before. Oh, because Amanda Waller was still with them on the roof. Right? Yeah, because he and, stole their chopper. They had to send a replacement chopper. Okay, yeah. And then, how yeah. many people, by the way, when Amanda Wall- Waller said, "I'll send a chopper for you later," <laughs> thought, realized she's not going to send a chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the chopper. Um, yeah, no, you. The only little thing, yeah, that one little moment he intersects with the plot, and then it's supposed to, I guess, add a little bit of character to Harley Quinn, where she's sad. My Joker's dead, and, yeah. and then at the end, but it's like, like, "Oh, my Joker's alive." That's why, the, like, the very end when he shows up again and gets her out of prison, it's just like, okay, well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, but, and, yeah, he... They weren't going to kill off the Joker in a Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, you could, like... I guess the thought is that if you had Harley Quinn in this movie and you didn't have the Joker, fans... Not us, but other fans would lose their minds. I mean, I guess they could have done both. Like, I sort of expected more to be in flashbacks. Like, the flashbacks just very quickly skim over their relationship, so they don't really seem to have a relationship, which is a problem. Like, I don't get invested in their lopsided relationship. The, The animated series... Now... I might I might just have an attachment to this because I've uh, in one of the classes I teach uh, when I do I have an essay I, I I go with them I go over called Should Batman Kill the Joker and a couple of times now I've shown them the episode Mad Love which is Harley Quinn's origin story I feel like that is a much better or like story of their relationship uh, than they had in this movie yes. by like. A mile and a half. Because the Joker has a personality instead of just being Mr. Snarl Snarl. Yeah. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to hurt get. I'm, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you real bad. Like, it. it's weird that Leto went all method on this because he's just... Barely he, in it. He He's barely in it, and he's just... 
I almost feel like he's not, his heart isn't even really in it in a way. Like, he's just kind of there doing the snarling, and it's all show. Like, I, I know, I don't, I don't know how you're going to react to this, Matt, when I'm about to say it. So I hope, don't, don't attack me. I got a bottle. You have your bottle ready. <laughs> it made me pine for Heath Ledger. <laughs> I really miss Heath Ledger's Joker watching this movie. I really miss Cesar Romero's Joker. Ah! It was, I also heard a, a couple of times, like, Jared Leto, he was doing Heath Ledger, but he was also doing a little bit of James Cagney, I thought. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he was totally, like, you know what you could have done? Maybe you could have had him in the flashbacks, but then just not had him in the main story. Yeah, yeah. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and just like, because, you know, Batman's not in this main story. Oh, I have a question. Where is Midway City? Midway City is in... It's halfway between <laughs> Metropolis and Gotham. So in the universe of this film, it's in the river. I, I, yeah. I, I answered my own question with um, that. It's kind of like, I guess, the DC equivalent of Chicago, I want to say. It's um, yeah. kind Hawk- of on the nose. Really. Yeah, it's uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl used to hang out there. They didn't fight any crime there, they just hung out. <laughs> yeah, um... Also, a little side, interesting little side note, like, they, uh, obviously, there's another thing from Backlash from DC Movies. You notice that they had a big thing saying, city evacuated. Yeah. So they didn't have to deal with anything to do, like, every single person's evacuated, don't worry, we can tear everything up. Except well, for the people that turn problem. into monsters. You know, there's plenty of people that got turned into enchantress yeah. monsters. And, and then they, they die. Shot. Yeah. Oh, so, they die. Yeah. But, but I guess the screw them because but, they're enchanted. But that's actually a problem. Because Is it does it call attention to itself? No. It's not it's because what is the Suicide Squad there to do? The one heroic thing they're doing is to save something. So they Turns out to be it, Amanda Wall. Yeah. Kind of a disappointment. However, we could Yeah, it, again the plot's a disappointment. Like, in that. Why? But here's the thing. They build up the villain to have this kind of world-destroying plan, which is kind of the generic world-destroying plan of lots of minor villains. Yeah. When instead, they could have just had them try to save one city. Yeah. You could have just, you could have, like, they they try to make it a little more clean-cut by saying, oh, we've evacuated the city, everything's cool. But by that point, what are the stakes? Nobody in the city is going to die, except maybe those people who have become foot soldiers. So, you know, you have to up the ante to, well, we'll destroy the world. There we go. You know what would have made it even more interesting? If they embraced... It just suddenly occurs to me that, again, they're taking from Escape from New York the element of, you know, we need to take this... uh, We need to take these arch badasses, uh, give them a... Not really arch badasses. They're kind of like third tier... <laughs> uh, I think Deadshot has kind of gotten a little more reputation. They're the best they could come up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but you, um, but I mean, well, the funny thing is, there are a couple of people in this movie who, again, I I know Deadshot, I know Harley Quinn, I know Killer Croc, Diablo, Captain Boomerang, Captain. Well, Captain Boomerang, that's just such a silly name. <laughs> Who's called Captain Boomerang in 2016? Digger Harkness. That's who. Is that his real name? I think it's actually George, but they call him <laughs> <laughs> I got you. But no, embrace it fuller. Like, in Escape from New York, one of the one of the interesting things in that movie is they put Snake Plissken in, you know, future New York. And it's... Or as we now call it, past New York. <laughs> or as we now call it, Detroit. Sorry, uh, I did a bad... But 
when he he's set in this New York and it's very dangerous because there are all of these, you know, it, it's there's nobody really living there. Like it's not it's it's evacuated so much as it's been made as like it's I prison. guess a prison. Yeah. And you know, with Isaac Hayes as the Duke and all that, and you know, the president's been captured. They, you know, if you're gonna do a little bit of Escape from New York, go whole hog. Have it be a movie where the Suicide Squad is in a midway city that has been taken over by the Joker, and they have to rescue somebody from that. And then you have, like, the, you know, confusion with that. I'm coming up with probably a bad story, That's but... That's not terrible. It's Yeah, it could work. Yeah, it could work. You know, the the stakes aren't world-spanning, but, but, you know, it's it's concentrated. But by the same time, I, I do think for that plan, you do need a wilder Joker instead of this Joker who is Mr. Shooty-Stabby guy. Like, you know, otherwise you're just fighting a bunch of guys that shoot yeah. and stab. Yeah. Like, you have, to, you have to do something to make that more interesting. No, and that's, that's true. Um... Another reason why I wish that Harley Quinn just wore the classic Harley Quinn out th- throughout. Yeah. Because there's no reason for her to wear, like, the overly sexualized booty shorts thing that seems very out of character and not iconic. Well, well, well I think in this whole film, uh, Harley Quinn's sexual appeal was really amped up. Oh, you think? <laughs> Do you yes. think that they had enough shots of her butt? Like, not just that though. I mean, in the in the in like the first in the, oh that moment the where she's putting on her clothes and everybody's looking at her at Even the same before time. That, like what she's is... in the nightclub and she's just like she's on yeah. the stripper pole. Like when was she a stripper? Just now in the movie. Uh, but it, I think that makes her a less yeah. interesting character because like you mm. know in the 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 cartoons and her early comics appearance she was very monogamous to the Joker. Yeah. Like that her sex appeal was limited to Mister J. I will yeah. give I will give one little thing to the Joker appearance. I did. <laughs> you want to rev up your Harley? <laughs> oh, room, room. Yeah. No. <laughs> Why Not is that bad. such a good line? Because <laughs> Paul Dini wrote it. Mm. I, the best line also is, don't call me Puddin'. Yeah. It's just great. No, but um, <laughs> one little thing. Now, again, not so much with the character, because, again, the character Joker here has just turned into a kind of a generic gangster. Like... But I did kind of like those images where they show when the Joker's gang goes in to shoot up a place, how they're all in, like, panda outfits yeah. and things like that. I like that. Yeah, I kind of cool. like yeah. that aspect. That's... And also, one of them had, like, a Batman mask. Yes. That was nice. They, they should have had more like that. There are little visual touches here that I could tell, like, David Ayer, really, like, he gave a lot of thought to the look of the film. Um, maybe sometimes... Maybe too much thought sometimes? Yeah, but... He did, he tried to put his stamp on it, and I, I respect that, that he's not, um... Yeah, it's a very neon-colored film. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's colorful. As, as we talked about in our trailer discussion, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, mar- a colorful it's, DC movie. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Return of the Schumacher. Uh, Actually, no, no, I think Wonder Woman was the one I also said had a little yeah. bit more color. You're right. But, uh, but um, I don't think I don't really understand why Amanda Waller was in Midway City instead of Washington D.C. or Bell Rev controlling these people. Like, why was she there? Yeah, why why was she there uh, in the first place? That, and how'd she get trapped there? We that, don't know. that was dumb. One other thought too: when it suddenly escalates near in the climax from being just a Midway City thing to being potentially a worldwide thing, where you have that typical shot where the power suddenly goes out across the grid. Now. Again, we know in this, in the timeline of this, Superman's dead. Wink, wink. Um, and Batman's not involved. 
But wouldn't someone like Wonder Woman maybe spring in? No, she's busy. Yeah, I mean, Wonder Woman's <laughs> okay. really what? weird in DC. I, I, I don't mean to nitpick. That sounds like a nitpick. But like, she should have shown up during the Zod invasion of Man of Steel, which is like a whole big... Touché. Yeah. Touché, my friend. Oh, but that's the whole... People talk about... We now have these cinematic universes that are full of superheroes. Yeah. And I think this is a problem with with superhero comics as well. I mean, you talk about Captain America Civil War. No, not Civil War. Uh, Winter Soldier. And it's like, why is Captain America just doing this on his own? Where's Iron Man? Where's Thor? Where's everybody else? And then... Yeah, it is know, a big one, attack in Washington, D.C. And then it's like, with this, well, why didn't Wonder Woman show up to help out? And it's like, well, because this is a Suicide Squad film. Because mm-hmm. Captain America was a Captain America film. Fair point. We, we're talking about films that have their own characters and their own scripts, and we don't need to bring all this other stuff in here. Yes, technically, in a world that makes sense, all these other people would help out. But we, we're, but I think we're taking it to a to an unrealistic expectation for fiction. Yeah, in cinema. Now, the one thing that I do have to say in relation to that is that there's Rick Flagg early on says, why do you need a Suicide Squad? Just let me get, like, a whole team of SEAL guys and we'll go and take care of stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Now, when they deploy the Suicide Squad, there's a whole bunch of can fodder regular soldier guys <laughs> yeah. that are there. And they don't have names, and they don't really contribute anything, and they kind of diminish from the danger the squad is in because you're like, oh, there's a bunch of soldier guys, the monsters will eat them instead. Then I don't really see the point in having them be there. You talk about, like, well, the city's evacuated, so, you know, no no problem there. Meanwhile, you have all these soldiers who are just completely expendable. They they are the red shirts. Yeah, if you didn't have that evacuated city, you could have just had, like, people who could have been in trouble. Yeah. They could have been the people who were under threat. I mean, we knew no one in the Suicide Squad was going to die until Slipknot. And that would have actually had... Then you would have also had a little bit more interesting conflict. Like, what if they suddenly... The Suicide Squad comes up against, like, civilians who are not, like... Bug, what weird bubble-headed. Like, bubble-headed boobies. Um, <laughs> that's like a Lost in Space reference. Um, the then you would have had maybe a little interesting conflict. Like, do they save the people? Do they just go and eh, screw them? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit different when they're dealing with Amanda Waller or uh, Red Flag. The Su- Suicide Squad has, has a lot of potential. They, uh, it wasn't tapped to its fullest. That's, in that's, this that's the disappointment with this movie. You have this interesting band of characters and that's why when i said that even though it's trying to be grittier it's a it's guardians of the galaxy light because yeah i can criticize guardians of the galaxy for having a weak villain but i felt like james gunn in that case really made the potential of that group of characters in that cast um Mm. and uh one one thing one one small thing I guess we didn't bring up I guess I know you're a huge fan of him like you get giddy whenever his name is bringing up uh, Killer Croc yeah so you just like him I do I just something about like seeing a crocodile man yeah no it's fine <laughs> he again that's one of the things like Guardians of the Galaxy when I saw him in this movie he felt like the group kinda yeah they... but he's like the guy who will be made like into like fun memes which is fine. <laughs> But that's one of those things that felt like, well, well, we gotta make a, we gotta make our own Guardians of the Galaxy. We need a Groot. How about Killer Croc? Sure. Yeah. Well, then again, I mean, you could say that Groot is the Hulk of the of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I, he's mm. he's the heavy. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe I don't know I don't know if this is a strength or if it's actually a weakness. But in Suicide Squad, the the roles of the people in that group are less defined. 
I mean, mm. Deadshot is obviously the man with the guns, but he's not the only one with a gun. Katana's mm. the one with the sword, but she's not the only one who who uses well, a sword. Well, I guess it's supposed she's, to be that like she. I guess I guess the idea that you know a, a comic nerd would say she's really she's really good with it. Or well, Deadshot's really good with guns. Well, it's a magic sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, doesn't it does it have like her dead husband? Yes, it has the souls of everyone she's killed in it. That is I like that. How much what, space is, she... is there in one sword for souls? It's like interdimensional hammer space. Like you know when mm. like this yeah, not... well, I know what hammer space quick, okay. is. A quick comic book aside, so is obviously I know the Suicide Squad comics are very different from this movie because originally uh it actually started out, I think, as uh, just like a World War Two like men on a mission thing, but is she, like is she in the comics? Katana. Yeah. Katana is a, is not really a part of the Suicide Squad in the comics, uh. but it seemed like they just wanted her there so they could use her magic sword to take out Enchantress at the end. They didn't really need her; they just need the sword. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was she was kind of there just to be like cool. I don't know, I wouldn't say eye candy, but she's kind of like the cool character with the sword, like in uh, Sin City. Like uh, Miho? Yeah. But she, she's a cool character with a sword. She kind of feels like the Bronze Tiger role on the squad, without bronze having tiger? Bronze Tiger in the movie. Yeah, you've gone off the grid for us, man. What's the Bronze Tiger? Bronze Tiger is a Suicide Squad character who's not appearing in the film. Okay. Yeah. All right, I, I'll take your word for it. Uh, That's a cool name. Is does he have? Is he made of bronze or is he a tiger? No, he's a regular guy who wears a tiger mask. Okay. Oh, cool. Fair yeah. enough. Just like how Batman is in a bat. Yeah, he's really good at karate though. He gets right. brainwashed a so, lot. So. Uh, all right. So now I think it's time for our final thoughts. Our final final thoughts. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, all right. All right, let me see it. It's well, no, no. Well, it's a very. I would give this a very kind of either low, low thumbs up or a very, very high thumbs down. If that makes sense. Like I your, feel like it's it's. Your yeah. thumbs don't bend that way, Jack. Yeah, my thumb does. I, 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 I'll be in the next Suicide Squad movie. I'll be the thumb wrestler. <laughs> like I, I fight with my thumbs. Everything we've, I'll be like really. Everything we've talked about. Uh, tells me basically Suicide Squad has a lot of potential yeah. and I like this film and I'm looking forward to a sequel which this will get if it gets makes enough money the interesting thing I think would be with a sequel is if they get different characters involved sure yeah um, which obviously they do with a sequel but I mean whether they keep Bronze Tiger. all the same ones Ooh, or yeah. if they bring it back yeah no it has potential I hope that they tap it better in the next one like they tapped it a little bit here, um, you see a lot of they, the stuff here, but it's not full. Like it, you know. Again, the climax is like it's a it's a Ghostbusters ripoff. Yeah, it's a little too derivative. The thing that we didn't talk about yet, but I want to make a point of saying is that this is a more entertaining film to watch because they let the characters have emotional lives in the movie. Yeah, Unlike that the is Batman true. versus Superman movie and even Man of Steel, everyone was very dour yeah. about the responsibilities. Everybody was talking about things too much. Here they do show it more. Yeah. And there was even so much clumsy. and in those other films there was so much of an emphasis on big ideas like yeah. power and Duty. Too philosophical. And yeah, they let the the supervillains feel more like humans. They can express like a better range of emotions, from anger to delight to sadness to like you know just 
confusion. Confusion, yes. Even <laughs> that, it works. And I like that that they were able to tap into that. It's unfortunate that they can't tap into that to a straight superhero movie, that they can only do that with a supervillain movie. So, so like, you know, you don't well, aspire yeah. to be a superhero because their lives are boring and shitty, whereas, like, you know, the supervillains, at least, they kind of want to have fun with what they do. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but... Characters like Deadshot and Killer Croc have more personality in this than Batman and Superman did in the last two films. Yes. So, yes. in a way, I'm thinking I would have liked this better if it had been an R-rated movie that had gone even more intense and further with things. Mm. Just, but then it's... it would have... It still was a problem with it not standing out as much from the dour Batman versus Superman. So, mm. I think that they need... Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's a tough it's, squeeze. This would have worked better if Batman and the Superman movies had been brighter and more enthusiastic so that they could yeah. have had Well, everything in the contrast. world would be better if the Batman and Superman films were better. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, I, it, it almost feels yeah, like, that, that's like... It's unfortunate that we keep going back to... as You know, I don't mean to, like, make this a let's punch that movie again, <laughs> although it's fun. I know, for the, last, for the last, like, five episodes or, or something, I've been trying not to mention Batman v Superman. But it kind of is like the... It's, it's the Alfred in the room. It's the one that you just yeah uh, yeah, and I think it's because you know how like the the first major motion picture to have Batman and Superman together, and it was just a colossal misfire. Here at least, you know, again now it here, was a colorless lump. Yeah, here at least, you know, I can tell that the writer. It, and the director were on the same page because they're mm. the same person. Um, I could tell that. Well, you know, that's and also, not always true. No, in the case of a, of a man like M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> there you go. But no, good point. Like he, yeah, he understands character motivations better, even if sometimes they are retreads. Right. Uh, again, I I feel like he brought some personality and a different kind of presence to the movie. Again, I don't think. Very often we get this kind of neon-colored, uh, you know, very, like, South L.A. gangland-infused milieu. That was interesting to me. We rarely um, get milieus. So, yeah. So, yeah. I think I think the disappointment with me is just because of how much better it could have been. And yet, yeah, it at least feels like a more entertaining movie. It's not... And also, it's it's... Even though I should say it's only two hours long... At least it's just two hours long. It's not two and a half hours long. It's certainly brisk. It it, it goes pretty fast. Um, I'd be curious if they do ever release like a longer cut or like if they actually show David Ayer's full cut so we can see if there were drastic differences. Again, we are seeing the studio version. Mm. I just want to make that clear. Uh, again, that's why we have a lot of those songs. Um, which, again, that's a little nitpick, but there are a lot of songs that are kind of easily placed in the movie. But they didn't have the Avril Lavigne song on it. Yeah. What Avril Lavigne? There's an Avril Lavigne song on the, the soundtrack, but it wasn't in the movie itself. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so final thought is... Uh, any final thoughts from you, Andrew? You I said... I my final thoughts. Okay. So, if you've seen Suicide Squad, and uh, you think we're a bunch of bozos, uh, or you think we're great, uh, or both... Uh, hopefully you think we're great. Uh, send us an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. I think we're great. Yeah, I think we did all right. Uh, and uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash wagesofcinema and twitter.com slash wagesofcinema. And you can find our guest host, Matt, where? 
at mattthecatania.wordpress.com. I'm almost clever. And he's also on Facebook and Twitter, so you can follow them there as well. And all uh, of those things are true. Yes, and you can admire, uh, you know, how you know his his cat and stuff like that. She's a very pretty cat. Yes, indeed. She murders mice well. Yes, he, he maybe a your cat. Your your, <laughs> your 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 cat will be in like the pet version of the Suicide Squad. Yes, yes, she will. <laughs> <laughs> the Meow Squad. Um, I tried, man. You, you t- I'm sorry. With that, I, it's a long day. With that, I'm Jack. <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm guest star Matt. And remember, the wages of cinema is death. Have a good night. you people we're bad guys it's what we do nothing really matters